Thank you that, Lord, we can come to you tonight and, and pray in faith and pray knowing that you hear, you receive our requests, and that, God, you'll answer. Lord, thank you for showing us the promises of your word and helping us to see it compared to our need and, and then inviting us to just ask you. Lord, thank you for being a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering God. Lord, uh, tonight we're lifting up our brothers and sisters uh, in Dallas and Laramie and Denver, um, in Boston and Tampa, Vietnam, Lee Summit, uh, in the Middle East. Lord, uh, you're at work in this world and, and we wanna agree with you. We wanna join in prayer, but uh, also we wanna join with our lives. And, and so God, as we pray, as we lift up the need, the open doors, uh, the white fields all over, Lord, continue to work in our hearts as laborers in those fields. Uh, we wanna support financially, we wanna support uh, with our time to go on trips and, and some uh, to go with the whole of who we are moving forward and, and Lord, we just say your will be done. God, we lift up our brothers and sisters at Grace, uh, Pastor Brad and, and Lord, as George preaches tonight, Lord, we just pray your blessing over them. Lord, that it would be a rich time in your word as they assemble 5,000 Bibles and, and uh, 20-some thousand John Romans and and Lord, we want this to be a fruitful time for the whole church there in Lee Summit. Lord, prepare hearts uh, to receive your word. Lord, um, tonight, uh, for those that are going to the marriage retreat, for those in the new members class, Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Lord, we wanna hear from you. Lord, help us to not be guilty of learning information about your word. Uh, like tonight, Lord, we're asking that that each of us would be able to form a prayer list in response to what we see in Proverbs 14. Uh, Lord, we're a week out from Hillary's surgery uh, for her, her, this aggressive melanoma on her head, and God, you're, you're the God of miracles. Uh, with you, all things are po truly possible. We know this. Uh, we've seen so many examples of this, not just in your word, but also practically. We've seen it's mirrored uh, in, our, in our life following and serving you here. And so God, we're asking that, Lord, you'd have mercy on Hillary, on her family, and that, Lord, this would be one way or another, that she's on a path to healing. Uh, we want her, we want her whole, and, and so God, please give the doctors wisdom, if it be your will, uh, when they go to do the surgery. Lord, let them find nothing because you're the great physician um, Lord, we're trusting you, and, and, and Lord, you allow us to go through times like this. If it be your will that, that, that she endure this hardness, then Lord, we're trusting that your grace truly will be sufficient. Uh, you're a God of grace, and we're trusting you for that. Give comfort uh, to Gerardo, to the family. Give comfort uh, to the children, and, and Lord, let, them, let their testimony be that God, um, you know, that Hillary will continue through this saying that you do all things well. Uh, you're the God of all grace and mercy and comfort. And so, Lord, we're trusting you for that. But, Lord, you said to let our requests be made known. And, and so, Lord, one way or another, we're asking, God, would you heal her? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are in Proverbs chapter 14. If you're new, you're wondering how we got there and why, what does it, what does it say on your notes? 
what's the page number on the handout? 99? 98 pages of note. Like, why did we start on page 98, chapter 14? Well, you've obviously missed something. And uh, what we did is we took a break at the uh, beginning of the summer. We just put Proverbs on pause and, and uh, had, we had a lot of other things that we wanted to cover over the summer months. And, and uh, we're, we're getting back. We'll have another round in Proverbs now. So we're in Proverbs chapter 14. You can catch up online. All of the other messages are there at mbtkc.org. Um, now we've, with 14, we're shifting gears just a little bit. Here in chapter 14, we're gonna see a contrast between the wise and the foolish. And in these first 10 verses, we're seeing how they live, how they roll, how do the wise, we're gonna compare and contrast the wise and the foolish. How do they roll, how do they live in this life? And so verse one, uh, we're gonna see a contrast between those who build versus those who destroy. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Are you a wise woman or are you a plucker? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Uh, A wise woman, okay, there are passages in the Bible that describe her roles and responsibilities, a famous one. Uh, We have a whole study on this as as found in Titus chapter two. Uh, The elder women teach the younger women what? To be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So there are roles, there's responsibilities that go to the woman of the house. Now that doesn't mean that the husband doesn't help or have part in the building of the home, nor does it mean that the wife cannot work to support the home, but in terms of her biblical roles and responsibilities, those are clear, and she is in, she's making sure that she is building her house. The famous text that we'll see regarding this principle of a wise woman building her house is in Proverbs 31. So we won't tread all that water here tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll dive in deep when we get to Proverbs 31. We'll see it then. But it's her job to make sure that her home is on point. She's got to make sure that the home is coming up, uh, you know, she's bringing it 100, okay? That's, that's, in her wheel, that's in her wheelhouse. And if she doesn't work to invest, right, if she, doesn't, if she won't work to invest, if she, doesn't, if she doesn't purpose her heart to see her house built up, well then she won't build, she won't do it. Now, if she's gonna do it, that means, you know, as we compare scripture with scripture and we see what's going on here, we find out that a building woman is a thinking woman. And we could have gotten that right here from 14.1, a wise woman buildeth her house, well duh, she's, she, if she's wise, she's thinking. But, but listen to Proverbs 24, three. Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. And so this wise woman is thinking about her home. She's thinking about those dwelling in her home. She's with wisdom. Uh, she is building her house with understanding. She's establishing it. So just like the husband's roles and responsibilities are clear, and there's many places we could go to look at what the husband is accountable for in the home. Um, again, a very big one. I mean, just uh, step one, 1 Timothy 5, verse eight. If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. God's point to the men of the home is you could actually be worse than an unbeliever in his heart and his mind. And how do you become worse than an unbeliever to God? 
Well, you don't provide for your own, especially those of your own house. So there are roles and responsibilities for the husband, but also for the wife. Now, the wise woman is building, but the Bible says the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So foolish, what's foolish is parents, right? A, 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 a mom who would, who would uh, undermine the inhabitants of her home. It's like parents that tear down their spouses. Mom and dad's not getting along, and so they wanna make sure their kids know how evil the other parent is. Uh, parents that tear down their spouses to their children sow death into those children. You end up raising kids who are, who are damned to dysfunctionality because you had to be the shining light to your child and you had to make sure your spouse was a monster. And I see this happen all the time. People can't make it work and so they wanna make sure that the person they failed with is the devil in the eyes of their kids. And how's your kid gonna survive that? Uh, my dad's a monster. Um, you know, mom, if you're wise, you're gonna make sure that your kid is shielded from the worst of the reality that maybe dad is worse than an infidel. You're gonna, you're gonna make sure that, that uh, they don't view their father as an enemy. Uh, they'll probably have to see his weakness. They may even have to be brought face to face with some wickedness, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is so critical. It's a spiritual battle. The Bible says it's spiritual warfare. So a person, it's like, you know, remember, remember when you were God's enemy and God's approach to you wasn't to destroy you but to lay down his life loving you? Uh, with wisdom, mom, protect the heart of your children. Uh, don't be foolish, don't tear them down. Pay attention to her hands, okay? Her hands are working. Uh, the foolish is destroying with her hands, but the wisest building. So bride of Christ, let's talk, about, let's talk about everyone. You know, a lot of times a verse deals with the women and the dudes wanna check out. You can't do that on any verse in the Bible. A verse that addresses, even Titus chapter two, uh, the elder women investing in the younger. You gotta pay attention to that because dudes, you're part of a giant woman. You're part of a big, a big babe. You're part of the body, the bride of Christ. And so, so everything, there's a spiritual devotional application that you have to take serious uh, in all of these passages. And so, uh, bride of Christ, what's our role? Well, it's to build the house, right? Every member is a minister in Ephesians chapter four, right? Every member has the responsibility to make sure everybody knows the word of God so that we won't fall for false teaching, so that everyone is built up into what? Into our head, right? To be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have that responsibility. And so if you're being foolish, what are you, what are you doing? Well, you're making sure that your disciple or those that you can influence in the church know all of the ways, they can count all of the ways that they can despise their church. Guess what? No church is perfect. Can I just be the first person, if nobody has told you yet that Midtown Baptist Temple is not a perfect church, let me be the one tonight to break the news to you. This is not a perfect church. This babe has bunions and bruises and warts and sometimes some stanky breath and, and she's flatulent from time to time. That's just, that's, that, uh, this is just the part of the Bride of Christ that I know about, okay? There are issues. She's still Christ's bride. 
and don't you dare despise her. She, this, this church, we are the people for whom Christ bled out to purchase. Do not despise Christ. Now, there's plenty of things to despise over. I mean, we're, we're a warty outfit. <laughs> there's plenty to despise. Don't you do it. Have compassion on her. Is this making sense? Don't do it, don't, don't do that. You know, between, between this world, your wicked flesh, and the, the, the Satan who is always condemning the brethren, you're gonna always see a thousand reasons to despise uh, your brethren, to despise the bride of Christ. Uh, Satan will make sure you can count the ways that MBT is an abject failure. Well, don't despise her, have compassion on her. If you're seeing, if you're seeing stinky feet, get in the foot washing business. Be part of edifying, be part of that Ephesians 4 function in this local church. But here's what happens, right? We tear down our church, we tear down our pastors, our leaders, our counselors, our disciples, and then we wonder why we sow death in our disciples. We wonder why we sow death in our spiritual children or even in our physical children. If you go home every day trashing the ministry leaders of Midtown Baptist Temple, you're you're teaching your children to despise the church. No, we're not perfect. There's not one of us that is. Uh, you know, let's have coffee. Um, I, I can give you a list of my failings that's longer than your arm. You'll spend all day writing it down. Bro, sis, it is what it is. It pleases God to use weak, foolish people to do the work of the ministry. Just jump in, fool, and be wise, and help us with the labor. Is this making sense? Is everybody with me? This is so critical. You, you trash what Christ bled to purchase and then you wonder why there's schism, division, why there's problems with your disciples, problems with your family. Don't do that. Don't sow death in your children. My kids have never heard me grouse. I mean, they've heard me, they've heard me grouse. <laughs> let, me, let me back up a minute. They've never heard me trash you, right? They've heard me, they've overheard me dealing with problems. They know I love you and you're worth dying for. They know that. Uh, Now, you know, the story isn't completely written. All three of my kids may turn into complete and total nimrods. You know, we'll see. Uh, But right now, as it stands, I've launched them. I'm, I'm just a few weeks away from the last one being an official adult. And then I'm like... Time to write the book. I want my family, I want my entire church family to see me, Ephesians 4, building with my hands. You want your church family, you want your entire family seeing you building with your hands. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, be a wise woman. It's gonna be awkward with some of the dudes. Maybe it's be part of a wise woman. Okay, verse number two. Fearing versus scorning. Verse two says he. Okay, verse one was the, come back to me. Verse one was the women. Okay, now let's talk about you, bro. Do you fear or do you scorn? Are are you humble or are you a big deal? He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth them. Okay, so how do, the upright, how do the upright walk? Well, we've already seen that. We know they walk in 
It's been a minute since we've been in Proverbs. The wise, yeah, they walk in wisdom, right? The upright walk in wisdom. So how do the upright walk? Well, they walk in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. See, the wise see who God is. They see him for who he is, and they hear his word for what and all that it is, and that results in them changing how they roll. It results in a changed life, what they fear. They see the reality of God in his word and they take it serious. They recognize that they're accountable to the living God. First John 1 verse six says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We lie and do not the truth. No, the wise say, okay, man, God's word says it. I'm not maybe great at it, but so help me God by his grace, I'm going to endeavor to follow it. I love God, but you know, Bible schmeibel, I'm gonna roll, I'm gonna do it my way. Eh, no, you don't love God. In the mouth, verse three, here we're gonna see the underlying causes for this between the, the, the upright, fearing the Lord, but the perverse in his ways, despising him. Here's the underlying cause, verse three. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. Why? Well, because he's perverse in his ways. In verse two, he's perverse in his ways, so he's a despiser. So in his mouth is a rod of pride. In his pride, in his perverse ways, he's trashing people. The rod in his mouth is a rod, right? He's trashing others, he's hurting, he's striking others with his mouth. But the lips of the wise, Okay, the one that fears the Lord, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom, and so the lips of the wise preserve them. Um, people from whom the word of God pours forth from their life, they're preserving agents. The devil, Job 41 verse 34, is all about the high things. He beholdeth all high things. He's a king over all the children of pride. And so with him, always destruction follows. So also with the foolish, in their mouth is a rod of pride. And again, the great example that we just keep having to come back to is that of Nabal. In his mouth is a rod of pride. He's foolish because he's perverse in his ways. First Samuel 25, we see Nabal. Uh, verse three says he was churlish and evil in his doings. And Nabal is rich, he's very rich, in part because David's men keep the theft down in the region. And uh, David goes to say, hey, you know, you think you could help a brother out, you're prospering mightily, uh, you've enjoyed our protective services, could we, you know, it's not like an extortion, extortion racket, but you know, it's." It's a, it's its sweet second cousin. Uh, maybe you could help feed the boys, right? How about a sandwich? And so they go up and they meet Nabal, and Nabal, verse 10, answers David's servants and said, who is David and who is the son? Like, the, David, he's nobody. Again, in his mouth, this, this rod of pride, he's trashing David. Who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants now, a days that break away, Every man from his master shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shears and give it unto men. 
whom I know not whence they be. So David's men go give the report to David. David says, we're gonna go kill a fool. So they're all getting their sword, but the young men tell Nabal's wife, and they say, he railed on them. Abigail, you need to know, he railed on them. In his mouth is a rod of pride, and he beat them. Uh, Verse 17, they said, evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. In his mouth is this rod of pride, and so because he's a perverse person, he's beating on David. David in your Bible is a type of Christ, and then that explains the way most of the wicked roll in this world. They curse God. They despise God. They rail on him with their mouth, and everyone, to a man and to a woman, they're perverse in their ways. They're full of pride. Verse four, we see the industrious, uh, and the implication is contrasted with the lazy. Verse four, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of the ox. So here's the key, get this down in your notes. Any worthy industry or pursuit comes with some crap that must be handled. Did you get that in your notes? If you want to translate that to poo, you're more than welcome to. Um, but if it's worth doing, you're going to have to handle some dookie. If it's valuable, if it's, if, it's, if it's worthy, right, if it's a worthy pursuit, there's going to be dookie duty. Do you ever have a baby? Worth it, worth everything. But the, you have that baby, hand to God. It's just a matter of time. You'll be wearing poop. That's gonna happen, there's no way around it. You're gonna be wearing poop. Okay, so what are we seeing here? Anything of value or worth comes with, it comes with unpleasant or difficult duty. No one wants to muck out the ox's stall. It's nasty, it's smelly. Sometimes it can be so, I mean, I grew up on a farm. Sometimes some stuff will make you gag, okay? It just like, it, it hurts. It smells so bad, right? It's nasty, it's smelly, but if the farmer doesn't have the ox, then yeah, he'd have, no, he'd have no stalls to muck out. There'd be nothing to clean up after, but he'd have to do all the heavy lifting himself, right? You get, he'd have to work those fields with a shovel, not with a plow. Plow is infinitely better than a shovel. There is no comparison between a plow and a hoe. That, that hoe, that, 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 that shovel, you're putting in all of the effort a plow you can ride. It's a big order of magnitude impre- uh, of improvement. So yeah, no, he's a bit smelly. He might have poo on his boots, but he's smiling because with the ox comes much what? Much increase. Anything that we're gonna endeavor to do in ministry, okay, let's make application here. Uh, if we're winning souls, if we're making disciples, if we're training and equipping leader, leaders, guess what? Many mistakes will be made. Many disasters will unfold. Worth it, totally worth it. Totally worth being up, helping people sort out problems, deal with issues, because without it, right, without the ox, there'd be little increase. Uh, It's worth it. You're gonna have to get alongside people. You're gonna have to get alongside their mess. They're worth it. Because now it's not just you discipling. Now there's two discipling much increase, that's 100%, that's 100% uh, income jump, right? If we're talking about spiritual fruit, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Did I get the math right, Eric? 100%, I mean, that's what we're talking about. So 
he's smelly, but he's grinning from ear to ear because the fields are getting planted, uh, everything's getting processed, there's much increase. Charles, Rice, Charles Ryrie said, there's no milk without manure. Uh, that's true. So, ministers, what does that mean? Well, be an ox, be valuable. In 1 Corinthians chapter nine, here's what we find in the law, verse nine, thou shalt not muzzle the ox, right? Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. You're worthy to eat some corn if you're treading. Be a treader, don't be lazy. Uh, This is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope, be a plower. Right, do the heavy lifting. Uh, he that thresheth, he that thresheth in hope, should be a partaker. Be a thresher. If we have sown, be a sower. Um, he says uh, in verse twelve, if others be partakers of this power over you, an income, uh, corn, a sandwich, some 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 sustenance. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we've not used this power, but suffer all things be willing to be a sufferer, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? Be a minister, be valuable. And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Uh, You're supposed to be a living sacrifice. And what's the picture here? Working the altar, you're helping others be also a living sacrifice. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Well, you shouldn't live of the gospel if you're not preaching the gospel. Does this make sense? Be valuable. If you're gonna be a minister, be valuable. Be worth the investment. Verse five, a faithful versus a false uh, witness. Verse five says, a faithful witness will not lie. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Well, that's pretty simple. Uh, It is unbelievable to me how people will lie on God's people. Unbelievable. Uh, I've watched this more times. I heard another example of it today. I've I've heard about this more times than I can count over the years. People for whom, right, I mean, you've got people who sacrifice, who invest, who, who, who do the, I mean, I mean, they muck out the stalls. I mean, they get in the trenches with people and then the same people that they're laying their lives down for turn around and lie on them. Unbelievable, unbelievable, trashing people for whom Christ bled and died purchasing. People that Christ purchased with his blood, you would lie on them to make sure people think and speak evilly of them. Proverbs chapter six verse 19 says, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Despicable, unbearable to God. Proverbs 12, verse 17, he that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. See, some people can, and some people cannot be bought. Everybody has a price, not everybody's price is money, but there'll be a scenario, there'll be a situation, or there'll be a price that will cause somebody to lie on another person, to bear false witness against them. And nothing is worse than someone who's willing to lie for some supposed gain. Sometimes people will lie on others just to make them lesser so that they, by contrast, will appear greater. Have you ever seen that? That happens all the time. Here's you, here's me, here's you, here's me, and I'm gonna make sure people know things that are poor, that are terrible about you, even if I have to make them up. Somehow, miraculously now, I, by contrast, look awesome, 
And that never works. That's, I mean, that, that, man, talk about a waste of time. This destroys lives, it destroys families, it destroys churches, communities. We're commanded against it in Exodus 23, thou shalt not raise a false report, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Matthew 5, 37 tells you, here's how you talk, let your yea be yea, nay, nay, nay. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. Why? Because if you do anything else, what's gonna come? Evil. Isn't that what verse 37 says? James chapter five tells you it'll bring you to condemnation. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your, yea and your nay nay. <laughs> let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. I'm just joking, I don't know how to do the nay nay. Somebody will have to teach me. Here, here it is, a faithful witness tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. What comes next? Right? So help them God. That's how it works. A faithful witness tells the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help them God. Paul gives us such a great example of this. In Acts chapter 20, verse 26, he says, here's the record. I'm pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You better tell the truth, because people's lives are hanging in the balance. Do you know what happens? People, because the world despises God's truth, and we end up like yellow-bellied chickens with our tails, is it yellow-bellied chickens? Sounds right. Yellow-bellied, what's a yellow-belly? What's that, what animal is typically a yellow-belly? I'm gonna go with chickens. Huh? So we know, what, we know what this book says, and in terms of the fashion, the course of this world, the, the, the elite of this world, the trendsetters of this world, they despise what's in that book, don't they? And so many times, instead of siding with God and speaking the truth humbly and in love, instead of simply saying the truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, like a yellow-bellied chicken, putting your feathers between your legs. It's a tail. They put their tail between their legs. It's a yellow-bellied lizard. Scaredy cat. It's a cat. It's gotta be a cat. I, I just got that. Write that, put that down in your notes. It's a cat. You're a yellow-bellied chicken cat and you put your tail between your legs. Oh, dogs put their tails between their legs. It's a dog. Man, that's unfortunate. And you won't say the truth. And with your heart and the way you, you'll lie. Because you're not a faithful witness. Does this make sense? Oh God, help us to be a faithful witness, amen? Uh, man, at the end of it all, I, I wanna stand at the judgment seat of Christ and, and it be found that I sided with God, not the course of this world, the ever-changing opinions of this world. I want it to be known that I was a biblicist not a conformist. <laughs> I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and the truth of God's word that I take into my heart, my mind, and my life. That's what's got to come out of my, my, my mouth. I've got to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Everybody with me? Number five, verse six. The understanding versus the clueless. 
So a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. He went to school, but he's still, he's still clueless, right? But the knowledge, but knowledge is easy. Is knowledge easy? But knowledge is easy to him that understand. Well, yeah, it's easy to him that understandeth. Okay, so why does the scorner seek wisdom and find it not? Well, it's because he's looking in all the wrong places. He's like that bad lover, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love. You can't find it if you're looking in the wrong, well, same thing with knowledge. You're not gonna find it if you're looking in the wrong places. My brother thought, you know, he'd, he, he got started on a, on a cocktail, just, well, he'd, he would smoke, drink, I mean, whatever he could get a hold of. And, and he felt like narcotics gave him special insight into the mysteries, the facts, the foundations, the secrets of the universe. He is now doing life in prison for murder. He's looking for wisdom in all the wrong, he's looking for insight, for wisdom, for the, for the, for the um, you know, the great meaning of life through narcotics and it destroyed him. He's working now to gain insight from prison in Jefferson City. Now, the Bible says knowledge is easy. Okay, how is it easy? It's not easy in that it's no work. Okay, if you're gonna get, under, remember, the, the fear of the Lord, this is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. You're gonna take God's word seriously. You're going to, uh, what did the Bible say? Be workmen in the word so that you need not be ashamed. That's the command, to labor in the word. Okay, so knowledge is easy whenever you see the word for what it is. Again, Proverbs 1 verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Again, verse nine, verse 10, chapter nine, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So wisdom is given to those who take God seriously. We take him at his word and we get to work in the word. Why? Well, because we have a relationship with God. So we live in willing obedience to him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Why call me Lord, Lord? Right? You don't do the things that I tell you to. You don't do what I say. So the person who says, okay, there is a living God, I'm accountable, one day I'll stand before him, I better get serious about what this book says. You're going to now, I mean, you're, as you grow in the word of God, you're gonna grow in wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's easy in terms of where to go to get it, uh, but you'll spend your whole life in that pursuit and it's here a little, it's there a little, but it comes to those who love it. This is what, the, what we describe as the key of David. The word of God unlocks, the word of God opens itself up to you because you love it, right? The unlocking of God's word for life, for application, for the work that he's called you to because you have a right heart attitude toward this book. You're like David in Psalms 119, you know, you love this book. Um, if you could, you'd, you'd, you'd sing a love song to it. That's how we need to close today. We'll have to close uh, with, uh, was it Daleth? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the closing song, if you're willing, okay. Um, this was the key to the open door for the church at Philadelphia. They had an open door that no one could shut God used them to turn their world upside down because they kept his word and didn't deny his name. Okay, last one and then we'll go to prayer. Verses seven through 10, we're gonna see the learning contrasted with the deceived. 
Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceiveth not in him the lips of knowledge. When you hear someone talking stupid, run. Why? Because you can't learn anything from a foolish man. Uh, my dad always told me you can learn something from anyone even if it's what not to do. So there's that. But don't listen to what they have to say. Uh, if their lips are flapping and all that's coming out is foolish, well, just you can't learn anything from them. Walk away. Go from the presence of a foolish man. Man, how many lives would be rescued, wouldn't have fallen into destruction if they just hadn't have listened to that idiot that caught their heart, their mind, their attention? Um, Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So when you hear someone talking stupid, God's advice is walk away. Just walk away. Verse 8, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. The folly of fools is they try to propagate, live, pass on a lie. So we need to live informed. We don't want to be guilty of living deceit. If you know the truth, but you won't submit to the truth, if you won't acknowledge the truth, humble yourself under the truth, guess what you're doing? You're living a, you're not living the truth, you're living a, a lie. Uh, that's, that's hard. We need to live informed. James chapter 1 tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving our own selves, right? Deceiving your own selves. The folly of fools is deceiving them own, their own selves. Why? Because they're not doers. They might be hearers, but they're not submitted to that truth. They'd rather live a lie. If any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like unto a man looking in a mirror, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and he sees he's got gunk in his teeth, and his hair looks crazy. He looks like, you know, he needs work. Go with his way, and he forgets he looks like, he, he, he he looks like a mess, right? He forgetteth what manner of man he was. Verse nine, fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Fools don't love what's right, they don't care what's right, they mock, they despise what's right, they, don't, they mock at what they don't understand. God says they're fools. And foolishness comes to nothing, okay? So if in 1 Corinthians chapter one, if God, right, will, will uh, well, he says I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter one. If he's gonna destroy the wisdom of the wise, what's he gonna do with the foolishness of fools? Fools mock at sin like they know better than to humble themselves and submit to the Lord. If God's gonna destroy the wisdom of the wise, what's he gonna do with that foolishness? Man, it's, 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 it's stupid. It's stupid not to tremble before our living God. Fools mock at sin. But among the righteous there is favor. Didn't God show us favor? Romans chapter five, verse eight, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, right, we have the righteousness of Christ. There's much more favor, isn't there? Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We have an ongoing relationship with the Lord. Read the end of Romans chapter eight. Nothing separates us from the love of Christ. We are a blessed people. With the righteous, there is favor. Man, it's good to be in Christ and to have automatically enjoy God's favor. Verse 10, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. So the heart knoweth his own bitterness. 
A stranger does not intermeddle with his joy. You know, there are some things that we, we just need to respect people's privacy. They're dealing with something, they're going through something. At the same time, we gotta have insight from the Holy Spirit uh, because we're called to be a comforting people. Um, we're to be used to comfort others. Second Corinthians 1.4 says, God comforts us in our tribulation, and so verse four says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So there's this balance. Sometimes people need space. They're wrestling with something. They're going through a thing, and then at the same time, we need to be a comfort. So we need Holy Spirit insight. Now, here's, you know, so that's good because, you know, if you're gonna, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. If you're gonna understand how to be a comfort to someone or how to help them, I mean, the only way to understand what somebody's going through, really, is you'd have to be on the inside and see what they're going through. To be right there so you can see what they're thinking and be right there so you can feel what they're feeling. And oh, well, there you go. We've got that, don't we? <laughs> uh, the believer has the advantage here because someone would have to be inside if you're gonna understand the hurt and what's really at issue. We, I mean, God indwells his people. Hebrews 4 tells us that our Savior understands our hurt. We have a great high priest, Jesus Christ. Verse 15, he's not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can pray for hurting people because we know Christ, he's seen it all, he's felt it all, he understands. But now, more than that, he dwells in our hearts by faith, he's on the inside of us. More than that, check out Romans eight. He is the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God dwelling in us, verse nine. Verse 10, Christ is in us. Verse 11, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We have the living spirit of God on the inside. Jesus told us that this, was, this would be a great advantage in John chapter 16 and verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Is it expedient for you that I go away? For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, speaking of the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He is saying to his disciples, me being in you, the spirit of Christ in you is far better than the word made flesh with you. Uh, it's good for you that I go to the Father because the spirit will come and indwell your life. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother, Proverbs eighteen twenty four. He dwells in us as his people and so, yeah, you, you're gonna, he's gonna comfort you and people are going through it. We'll trust the Lord for that, that insight into what people need. We need to give people their space, but we can't give them their space to their own hurt or their own harm, and, and so we can pray for them, but we can also comfort them. Is everybody with me on this? Does this make sense? So out of this, what's the big prayer request that you would come up, right? What, what would you see out of Proverbs chapter 14 that you need to lift up to God and just find a prayer partner? Everybody get a prayer partner, one other person. Just lift that request up to the Lord and while we're doing that, um, um, Brian's gonna come and lead us in getting excited about the word. Yeah, all right. Let's pray. Everybody grab a prayer partner, let's pray. Let's pray for each other, and then we'll praise and we'll roll out.